0: I did not send out emails this week, but I do have a good reason for not doing it. I'd like,
1: if I may, to take you on a strange journey.
0: Welcome to nine cents nine cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world i'm your host reverend campbell it's great to have you it is september the fifth and i've got a pretty good show for you this week it was a bit of a sort of stitched together at the last minute type show i'll get into that in a second but we're going to start off in the devil's advocate with are you trapped in your archetype In the infernal informant mystery woman struts through airport wearing only a bikini and a mask <laughs> and then the creature feature Again, stitched together episode. uh, Trolley commercials. (laughs) These are freaking weird. And we're going to get into just a little bit of it. Gary, how you doing? Thanks for joining live. Jordan, what's happening? Lexi, how you doing, hon? Wicked evening to you. (laughs) William, good to see you. Zachary, what up? Uh, Ashworth, how are you? Tony, what's happening? Jameson, I love your whiskey. And uh, Basilius, Ravencroft, very... (laughs) I mean, talking about breaking necks and taking checks. Okay. Okay. Very occult-sounding name, that name. Basilius Ravencroft. It sounds like you've written some vampire novels with that name. Or you are writing them, right? It's a very, um, I don't know, very powerful name. James Wright. It's been a long time. Good to see you. Thanks for joining. <clears throat> All right. Now look. Listen here. This morning, uh, I told you guys on a daily vlog that I was starting up a new project with a friend of mine and it involved hiking and recording and talking about the trails and stuff like that. Well, this morning was the very first episode, and it was it was it was a tough one. It was a trail that I'd done once before on my own on my birthday like years ago. this particular time uh, I had my friend with me, and it was It was rough. It was, I don't know if I've fallen out of shape or if I just forgot how intense the trail was. It whipped my ass. So I want to give you just the fast briefest of examples of what this trail looked like. Because the only audio you're going to hear is me breathing heavy because I was out of goddamn breath. But you reach the crest and you get this stunning view of these lakes that you passed on the way up. So you have to cross all those lakes, which is an incline going up, and then you have to like climb the ridgeline up to where I am right now, which is the top of Mount Wolverine. And it's a 2,000-foot climb up, and the trail is not completely clear at all times. So there's a little bit of wandering back and forth and climbing over rocks to see where the trail picks up. It was a pain in the tuchus, and the air quality was just good enough For me to be able to go up there without me, you can see it's still hazy in the distance, but not so bad, um, right up initially. I tell you what, it, it really took a lot out of me. (laughs) So we were up there for five hours you know, we climbed up the mountain and then we sat and talked for a while for this project and did a couple different videos and stuff. And then, you know, we started our way down. And all the while, I'm taking B-roll footage and, you know, we're sort of appreciating the scenery and just sort of laughing and, and chatting and stuff. So it ended up taking a lot longer than I anticipated. And then as soon as I get home, I realized, well, I recalled, that our garbage disposal was broken. Like it's leaking out of the bottom. And so we had to go run to the... Home Depot and pick up a new garbage disposal and install that. And like right before I went on the hike, my back has this like fist sized knot in it that's just like it feels like it's stabbing into my lung from the back. Horribly painful. And then, you know, leveraging the stupid garbage disposal and sweat dripping down, I was completely beat. So it was four o'clock before I even started thinking about this show. That's why. I, uh, everything was late and I didn't send out anything, and sweet hell, it was, it was rough. (laughs) It was seriously rough. So now I have uh, to look forward to a whole bunch of video editing that I don't know, maybe I'll do sometime. Tomorrow, however, should be a lot of fun for me. I'm starting my pumpkin beer for the first time in years, right? So I've got a sugar pumpkin that I grew in my backyard. I'm gonna be roasting that taking out all of the wonderful pumpkin innards and making this delicious pumpkin puree. I'll be making pumpkin pies with half of it and the other half is going to be used to not only um, steepen my wort but I'm going to save some for the secondary so it really gets that pumpkin flavor and texture and a little secret what I do on the secondary you got to be careful because it's got to be done fermenting this is weeks after you've Started the batch of beer, but you throw in a couple baking spices in the secondary, right? So you get your nutmeg, you get your cinnamon, you get your allspice, you, stuff like that. Um, and you only let it sit in there for a little while, but it's long enough that it permeates the beer itself. And much in the way that people, uh, you know, throw in—it's called dry hopping, where you take hops and you throw them into the secondary, which is your primary fermenter, is when you're actually making the alcohol. Uh, then you pour it over into the secondary, the secondary fermenter, which is you know getting rid of as much of the yeast as possible, stopping the fermentation process, and then you're adding in your little spices or your flavor notes or whatever you want to do. Well, typically that's what hops are for, but you add in a little bit of pumpkin at that time, you add in a little bit of spices at that time, and you get a delicious, a delicious American pumpkin ale beer. I've been doing it for years, I just haven't done it in years. And uh, I'll tell you what. It's delicious. It's delicious. I'm not a big beer guy anymore, but everyone I've ever met loves it whenever they've tried it, or at least they've lied to my face telling me <laughs> that they love it, which is good enough for me, I might add. <laughs> hey, Valeria, thanks for joining live. Good to see you. Uh, okay. So yeah, the there's no worse problems in life than plumbing problems because just the garbage disposal, that's tied to your dishwasher, I'm sorry, your, yeah, your dishwasher in addition to your sink. And so not only can you not wash, you know, wash your dishes in the dishwasher, you can't wash them in the sink either because it's leaking. And then you have to worry about all the wood that's being um, you know, soaked underneath. So it's this whole process of trying to dry it out and ca- you know, putting like containers under there so that you can catch any liquids before you have a chance to run to the store and grab a new disposal and it's a nightmare. And that's a great name, Jordan Bass. I might steal that. <laughs> I'll give you credit, but I might steal that because I like that. Pumpkin hale Ale, that's really nice. Uh, well, Tony, you have to travel to Utah in about eight to 12 weeks. And then I'll give you one. <laughs> that's, uh, that's how it is. I'm with you, Jason. I love me some wine as well. I got some nice Pinot Noir here. Um, and I actually got some really nice, oh, I forget the damn name. of it. I think it's Red Breast, but I could be wrong. But it's this really great 12-year-old Irish pot-stilled whiskey. I'm really looking forward to busting that open. But I'm saving it for tomorrow. Should be nice. All right. What else? What else we got here? All right, well, let's dive into the show. Let's do a little uh, devil's advocate, shall we? <laughs> First one. I don't actually have an image for this, so you just got to stare at my stupid face. Are you trapped in an archetype? So, in last week's episode, during the course of my plea that all Satanists should let a little bit of hell inside of them, you know, which is really just leaning on first phase and stop disparaging it so much, um, I got a reply from one of you listeners, which I always dig because sometimes in this particular instance, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, a little fighting back a little bit. You know, they disagree with my assertions. And I love that because it gives me a chance to reflect. What I don't know if you guys are aware of, I have like bullet point outlines for discussion topics, but I'm just free flowing here. So sometimes if I get on a riff or a rant, I can just end up saying something that in reflection doesn't make sense or isn't accurate or doesn't really hold true to the topic i try my best to stay on topic but sometimes sometimes as is last week's example i sort of run a little bit well this is a reply to that so i want to read this to you it's in the comments of last week's video so you can see it yourself as well but it says uh, i don't wear hot topic anymore laugh out loud but i would argue depending on your archetype there can be power in that aesthetic Many times people write you off or don't pay attention to you, all the while you work away in the, uh, out of the spotlight. Then you surprise doubters with your achievements. I still wear the star garb in my daily life, but suits and, suits and button-ups when needed. What do you think? So this is in response to me saying that if you're just a hot topic Satanist or you're just a Halloween Satanist, well, then you're limiting yourself because you're isolating your potential rather than reaching a broader target with your lesser magic. You're isolated only to that one look and feel and vibe. And that this was the response. So my reaction to this, what do I think about it? I think whatever works for you, do it. Right? Right. If you have fine-tuned your aesthetic to a point where you are happy with the success that you've found in life, the goals that you're realizing, then why change? It doesn't matter. But I would argue that sometimes people don't actually reach for greater goals that they're capable of reaching if they only broke out of the archetypes that they've locked themselves into. In some cases, you found an archetype early on and you just sort of stick with it because you've always done that and it's always seemed to have worked for you and you're getting by with what you're getting by with and you're just sort of content with that. Nothing wrong with it. However, sometimes you are actually able to reach beyond the archetype that you've locked yourself into. You know, our sensibilities as individuals change and evolve over time. I used to be a butt rocker, is what we called it back in the day. You know, leather jacket, super long hair, smoking cigarettes, and, uh, you know, just sort of being, you know, a sort of rebellious youth. Then I went in the military, and I sort of, my aesthetics dramatically changed, not because of the military, but that was a sort of catalyst for me to re-examine my aesthetic choices. And where I came out on the other side went through college, saw success professionally, and I just found myself in a place where I could never go back to where I was before to that aesthetic simply because it's not who I am anymore. I evolved out of it. Not to say that it's a lesser form than what I am now. It's just, it's a different one. You know, my my approach to life is dramatically different. And I realized that if I just adjust enough, then I can realize more success, right? So that adjustment means that I don't lock myself into an archetype. Now, if we want to fall back on the Satanic Bible, uh, the doctor mentions sex, sentiment, and wonder as these three primary aspects of what it means to find yourself in a lesser magic archetype. And there's nothing wrong with doing that, right? So for me, I always try to do a little bit of sex and wonder and maybe throw in a little sentiment from time to time. And the idea is that I try to be visually attractive. I try to be audibly pleasing or at least interesting enough to make you want to stay and hear what I have to say. And then, of course, just the the personality that you're bringing out there kind of puts people on a little bit of edge, say, you know, I thought I knew what to expect, but this is a little bit different than, than what I was anticipating. If you can play that without locking into an archetype, well, then it allows you to then adjust to the target rather than trying to get the target to find you on your own terms. And this all falls back on this idea of the balance factor in Satanic Magic. So the balance factor means that every individual has... An innate possibility, an innate capacity, right? So, for example, I would never be able to find... And this is going to date me. I would never be able to find a Cindy Crawford and have her drawn to me, right? No matter how I played the sex sentiment and wonder, no matter what archetype I tried to lean into, there's an age gap, there's an era gap, and quite frankly, I am just on a different level than the people that she was connecting with in her time, you know? And so there is a balance factor of saying, if I can't reach that, well, what can I reach? What's within my grasp that, you know, maybe even be a little bit further than my grasp, but for the use of of, uh, um, lesser magic, I can then, you know, convince them, have them adjust to my will, And do what I want them to do. Or connect with me in ways I want them to connect with me. Um, And ultimately that's what it's all about. right? That is lesser magic. That's what it means to be a Satanist. It's exerting your will. On the world at large. Of course. If you are locked into an archetype. You are limited. To those who connect with that archetype. And we have to address the elephant in the room. And that is that your archetype turns some people off. And it doesn't matter what archetype it is, that's just the truth, is that we as individuals connect with certain looks or vibes, and then we are completely disconnected or um, appalled at other looks and vibes. And as a Satanist, it is incumbent upon you to be able to maneuver those obstacles, rather than be locked into something that, you know, if I can't get X or Y looking like uh, a heavy metal head, well then I just, I'm not even going to try. So you're locking yourself in in your own mind before you even tried to exert your will and get what you want. Because you're saying that my archetype, my lifestyle, who I am, I am incapable of climbing that rock. And the truth is, is that you are actually capable of going way beyond whatever archetype you're locking yourself into, but you're so limited in your scope of thought and processes that you don't even want to break out of it. You're too comfortable. And when that happens, and it doesn't always, but when it does, you have been trapped. You have trapped yourself into something that you will never be able to get out of, which limits your ability. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm referencing this idea of becoming the hot topic or the Halloween Satanist, is that you have literally pigeonholed yourself into this one little peg. So anyone that comes at you is only going to see this one side of you. And if they don't like it, they're not going to do business with you. They're not going to be turned on to you. They're not going to do what you want them to do, because you're not meeting them on their ground. You're trying to conform them. You're just saying, accept me for who I am and what I am and do what I want you to do because of that. That doesn't work in life. It just doesn't. It'll work for other people who like that look, but for the rest of the world, which is literally everything other than that small little window that you're appealing to, they're gonna ignore you. And sometimes they're gonna be aggressively trying to shut you down. So I would, I, would, I would caution anyone to find an archetype, and I know there's books about this, even satanic books that are saying, look, lock yourself into an archetype and write it. But if you do that, you are severely limiting yourself. And maybe that's all you can do, right? And that's why this is so important to examine the, the concept of because some people are just one thing. They are not multi-dimensional. They are not multifaceted. They are not multi-talented. They are just one thing. And whether that's because that's just the capacity of their mind, they, they they've been they've been imprinted on this idea at such an early age that they cannot break free from it, or they're just incapable of doing anything but. Well, in those cases, own it and work that archetype as best as you can. But for everyone else who I'm hoping is the majority of Satanists, but again, that may be solipsistic, we need to be able to stick and move. We need to be able to dodge in the same way that you don't always wear your Baphomet out. You're not always flying your Satanist flag. We're not martyrs. Why would you then do that with your style, with your approach to life? If we don't do it with our religion, why are we locking ourselves into it with our fashion sense? That doesn't make any sense at all. If I want to target a wealthy man, I want him to find me attractive. I want him to give me money. I want him to want me around. And that means that I can't look like a garbage person. I have to look good and I have to look sexy. I have to appeal to his sensibilities, not my own. If I'm trying to attract a woman for whatever reason, maybe I want her to give me a promotion. Maybe I want her to give me work professionally, uh, you know, as a, a businesswoman, I have to connect with them on a professional level that would be dramatically different than the sexual level of the homosexual man. I need them to want not only to work with me because they enjoy my personality, my work, but also because they're not gonna be embarrassed by saying, yeah, he's the one doing my work. They're going to be excited and that's going to vary depending on the person. Some people like a little bit more danger to their art. Sometimes they want to be a little more conservative, but it's incumbent upon the Satanist to be able to figure that out and adjust to them, not expect them to adjust to you. I mean, you have to be able to do this. And if you've locked yourself into one archetype, again, again, said it a hundred times, I'll say it a hundred more. You're limiting your capacity. And the truth is, maybe you've actually locked yourself in and limited yourself. So always consider these things, right? There's this really great platitude that I wanted to read from the doctor from The Devil's Notebook. And it says, if at first, and it applies to this specifically, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again. And the doctor responds to this saying, this is a sure way of making a pest of yourself. Better, if at first you don't succeed, wait and see what happens. If nothing happens, try a different approach. If still unsuccessful, try someone or somewhere else. Do you get how that applies to archetypes? If you've locked yourself into an archetype and you're trying desperately to get something that is just not able to be reached with your own personification of yourself, you have to change. You have to adjust and adapt to the situation Locking yourself into an archetype is a death sentence, in my opinion. It should never, never be done. That's what I think. You don't have to agree, and it's okay if you don't. What do you guys have to say about this? Um, be aware of what you wish. Be aware of what you wish you were. All humans need to adapt to change, is inevitable, and self-examination is critical if you want to progress and grow. That's right, William. Um Choose whatever you want, but know the pros and cons of each tool. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's nice. Change is inevitable. Of course. Everyone can have potential uh, to do what's up to you, what you try to do, you may fail many times. well yeah, everyone. That's how you learn. It's failure. Uh, adapting to your target, this tenic which really goes into depth, adjusting different types, uh, addressing I'm sorry. Uh, knowing the baseline archetype of yourself is good, but shouldn't stop you. Hell's yes, Lexi. Absolutely. Thinking of static terms instead of being uh, dynamic, uh, we are great-looking humans, my friend. We got this. <laughs> Mommy and daddy babies will and are just that. What? Let's just say today you thought to yourself, "You know what? Fuck you." And myself said, "Yeah, I'd fuck you too." <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, William says, "Be like a chameleon." Yeah, I think so. Okay. And Jameson just sort of puts the nail in this. That is the sole definition of lesser satanic magic. Yes. Uh, Okay, so that's all I had for this. (laughs) Let's have a little bit of fun with this next one. This is goofy. Infernal informant. this is a little bit different. (laughs) This actually comes from the New York post.com. And it's just one of those articles that's referencing a social media reaction thing. I'm bringing it up here because I think there's some stuff that we can pull some, some little bits of information that we can pull from this, that again, it's supposed to just be a little bit of fun, lighthearted, you know, enjoy ourselves, but also maybe we can learn something. So the article goes like this. An anonymous blonde woman set passenger shaming sights of flame after she was filmed strolling through a US airport in nothing but a bikini and her face mask. An Instagram video of her runway modeling stint has garnered nearly excuse me, that was gross, nearly ten thousand views in less than twenty-four hours. Quote, when you have a pool party at noon and a Spirit Airlines flight to catch at 4pm, reads the caption in the viral clip, which was posted Thursday to Humans of Spirit Airlines, an Instagram Instagram account that pokes fun at passengers of the oft-lampooned airline that is now referred to as an ultra-low-cost carrier. Indeed, the shocking footage features the shocking. The footage features the mystery mischief maker walking nonchalantly through the terminal of an unnamed airport while sporting skimpy olive green swimwear and toting a backpack. However, while her itsy-bitsy, teeny weeny airport attire may have left little to the imagination, she was still wearing a face mask in compliance of federal aviation administration mandates. The Insta account, one of many posting the peculiar peccadilloes of frequent flyers, observed. The Transportation Security announced in August the flyers who break mask mandates can be fined from 250 to 1,500 dollars. Meanwhile, when reached by the Post for comment, the spokesman for Spirit Airlines said the viral video is unverified, but not surprising, given the thirsty nature of social media. <laughs> so true. Uh, this account often falsely attributes photos and videos to Spirit Airlines. The rep told the Post the video. Could have been taken at any time and place, and it has no identifying characteristic of any airline. I checked, and we have no records of this on file. But if she were flying the airline, spirit contract, a carriage, states that passengers may be prevented from boarding an airplane, or even kicked off, if they are barefoot or inadequately clothed, or sport clothing that is lewd, obscene, or offensive in nature. We're going to address that in a second. In the past, people have been penalized for such for much similar fashion infractions, including a Playboy model who was told she couldn't fly on a Southwest airline while she was wearing her low-cut leopard print top. It's yet unclear if bikini-clad bombshell had actually boarded an airplane, spirit or otherwise, in that outfit. Needless to say, her security checkpoint strip striptease made waves on Instagram with one commenter quipping, at least she has her mask on. Another slavery viewer, slavery viewer wrote, if more spirit packs looked like this, I'd fly on them more. Okay, so here's the video. Super nice cut. And only one person, I'm going to play this again. Only one person is even looking at her other than the person viewing her. And it's the guy right behind her. The woman, he's like sort of doing the guy thing of like looking at the sun. Yeah, get a look, turn away. Get a look, turn away. (laughs) And like the lady that's right in front, she doesn't even look or... Anything, right? Now, I have to say, this woman, I prefer a th- juicier behind, a thicker booty. But that's just my personal preference, uh, <laughs> which is just really stupid. Okay, so here are some things that I want to uh, talk about here. First, I want to address some of these comments because these are just, these are amazing. Um, so, Georgia... I don't know someone said okay but if she was fat then people would be offended and I want to talk about that for a second standards of beauty have dramatically changed I don't particularly think like heroin chic is attractive you know it was a look that was sort of popularized in late 70s early 80s where it's like super thin women you know with like you can see their rib cage and stuff and it still goes on today you know individual women have their own looks and their own vibes and guys too It's just, it doesn't really connect with me. You want to look back a few years, Marilyn Monroe was actually, by modern standards, a thick woman. She was much bigger than people popularly, you know, portray her, certainly in films, but just, you know, we reflect on history differently than it actually was, and she was a thick girl. I, personally, like that. I think having, you know and this is going to sound, you know, vulgar, but I don't mean it that way. I like a woman with fat on her. I like a woman who's thick. Um, but to this point, if she was fat, then people would be offended. So I'm assuming their meaning, if her skin was folded over the clothing or the bikini, then people would be offended. Yeah, I think people would be now, whether that's justified or not. I think is less of a question and more to the point is, why is this okay and why is any other body type walking through an airport uh, in a bikini not okay? Again, we're locked into these archetypes as individuals using our own versions of sex, sentiment and wonder to manipulate the world around us. I would argue that this woman is doing that brilliantly. She's not playing to the camera. She's not trying to entice anyone, but the room is moved by her mere presence. Now, whether she intended that or not, and I would argue that yes, she definitely intended it. She's playing it off as she's not, but you don't wear that if you're not expecting reaction. She's playing this up in a very coy way, straight out of Satanic Witch, and all the while she has the entire internet focused on it. That's, that's power. That is power right there. Equally, if she was morbidly obese, wearing the same type of an outfit, she would have owned it. And I would have given her the same exact credit. Because she's using what she has to turn everyone's head. Now, whether their reaction is good or bad, in my particular case, I think she's a beautiful girl from what we can see. Maybe she's, you know, a horse face. I don't fucking know. Maybe she's amazing. Um... But she looks okay. She looks pretty good. So I'm going to turn my head. If it was grotesque, whatever that means to the individual, I still would have looked and I still would have commented. So one is not innately better than the other because the reaction is the same. I'm reacting. And one thing that, you know, in advertising, in my personal industry, we always say is we're trying to evoke a reaction. The reaction is not always, and I'm going to pay this off in the, the next segment here. The reaction is not always, ooh, that's amazing. That's beautiful. That's attractive. I want that. You know, that whole adage of sex sells, that's a 1980s sentiment that, yeah, sometimes it does, but not always. And that's not always where you want to lean. Sometimes in advertising, you want to uh, like sort of uh, bother people. And you can do this with just layout, you know? We have this idea, this innate DNA sense of symmetry is beauty as human beings. So if you want to just immediately disturb someone without them actually knowing why, break symmetry up a little bit. And the doctor talked about this with um, uh, haunted houses. You know, some of these... um, uh, geometric shapes like the trapezoid, it's a little bit unsettling to us. We want something that's perfect and unified and connected. That's just how our brains operate. You break that a little bit and suddenly we're a little off We may not know why, but it is a little off-putting. That's not always a bad thing to feel weird or strange or... You don't really know how you feel about it sometimes. That's good because you're thinking about it. You're talking about it. That's owning it. And so you want to extrapolate that out to sex, men and wonder That's a perfect example of how an individual can still capture your attention without actually having you fall in love with them. You're still thinking about them. So if she was grotesque and wearing the same thing, you'd still be thinking about her. You'd still be talking about her. I think it's brilliant. All right, so Jason says, delicious. Uh, Lexi says, absolutely zero Fs given on her part. (laughs) That's funny. Um, Not one form of human is beautiful in your opinion. Hey, I I dig that. I I appreciate it. Uh, Jameson, (laughs) shirts, check. Shoes, check. Mask, check. She should have service. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, Thick is not equal to thick. (laughs) Social indoctrination at its best, one type is hammered into the skulls of millions. Yeah, and we can thank my industry for that. Uh, what if Borat did that with his one- piece thong underwear bikini suit? And he did in two films. And you know what? People looked and they talked, and they were drawn to it, and people, you know, brought it up in talk shows, and there was social media, you know, people freaking out about it. I mean, it just it works. So let's see. Tactic, show ass publicly, get notorious, push agendas, and biases. Well, I don't think that's always the case. Sometimes you just want the eyes. But yeah, you could definitely go that way. You put your lust away when you, as an artist, do your work. Usually, yeah. Some men have their own vision of what a beautiful woman would look like. Yeah, that's true. Every man, every woman, every single human on this planet if you're interested in the idea of sex, which not everyone is, then yeah, you definitely have your idea of what a beautiful X or Y would be, right? And here's the thing: it breaks gender norms too. I've seen some trans men and trans women that are just stunning. I've also seen really bad examples that just turn me off in in every respect. Um, I've seen you know homosexual men and women that I'm just like, wow, that's a interesting looking individual and then sometimes i'm just like "Ooh, what the fuck you know that's just that that's what we do we immediately judge just based on our own culture our own societies how we've been indoctrinated and what we think is beautiful in the era that we live in and you know i've posted in um a playlist on my youtube channel that you guys are watching right now uh about uh satanic lesser magic or something like that is the playlist name But it has fashion looks and hairstyle looks um, throughout the ages for men and women. And it's a fascinating study on what is attractive and what isn't attractive. And it goes from like underwear to swimsuits to just, you know, formal dress and casual clothing and stuff. It's a fascinating look on what is attractive and how we perceive what is attractive back in the day and what they thought in that time was attractive absent those examples, we're just basing all of our decision-making on the here and now. That's literally being forgetful of past orthodoxies, which is antithetical to Satanism, right? We're not supposed to be forgetful of past orthodoxies, so we have to keep these ideas in mind. Um, Unclean angles, yeah, disturb the amygdala, nice. Some men have their own, okay. So anyway, I thought this was interesting because it's, an, it's, it's a lesson in lesser magic that not necessarily applies specifically to her and how she looks, but the concept is totally analogous to everything that we've been talking about for the past two weeks and arguably as Satanists since we identified as Satanists. And that is personal aesthetics and how to use lesser magic and how to use your sex, sentiment, and wonder to effectively attract or draw in those, or I mean, maybe you just want to repulse people. Um, those individuals. You're not always limited by your own physical appearance. You can still draw an eye, right? The command to look, as it were, um, as uh, the doctor also noted in the standard Bible. Okay, that's um, that's kind of it. I, I always like talking about that stuff and having a visual example was just refreshing, you know, because then you're not just taking my word for it. You're actually getting a good Good look at what I'm actually talking about. Okay, let's have some fun with something really weird that I really kind of dig. Little creature feature. so good okay i wanted to talk about trolley's commercials so i shared one of them on the feed the mobile feed in uh, on my channel i don't know a week and a half ago or something like that (laughs) but i just have to talk about it because this is exactly what i'm talking about when we're talking about how sometimes you want to make people feel uncomfortable or just not know how they feel about something I'm going to give you two examples, the first one right now. <laughs> if you've never seen these, you're in for a treat. Damn it! <laughs> That's not it. God, come on, switch over. Frickin' turd. Okay, move on. What are you doing? Oh, would just copied it. Hold on, I'm going to fix this. Give me two shakes of a lamb's tail. Here we go. Uh,
1: Aw. Dad forgot you again. Mm -hmm. Forget about him. Build a new dad. Worm dad. What's a worm dad? Your trolley Build-A-Dad comes ready to parent with a whole line of empathetic accessories. Glasses that see you for you. An actual heart. and more. more. Custom build a dad for all your needs. Finally, a dad with stability. Emotional stability. Mm -hmm. He's a shoulder (laughs) to cry on and chew on. Dad will always be there for you until Until he's not. he's, he's, not. Want to build a dad of your own? Call one worm dad and tell us why you deserve your own worm dad. Maybe he'll show up, maybe not. Call one worm dad now and tell us why you deserve a worm dad of your very own. Hurry! Supplies are emotionally limited and generally unavailable.
0: Golly! I mean... What <laughs> did we just watch? This is brilliant. This is... Gummy worms is the product they're selling. Gummy worms. That's it. It's just a stupid gummy worm that's been around for thousands of fucking years. Not literally. Um, But they've found a way to make it so interesting and engaging and weird that you're not thinking about the gummy worms. You're thinking about the story that they're telling, right? This is a disgruntled kid. Whoa, I don't know what that means. This is a disgruntled kid that... Presumably just wants a dad. And, you know, that that whole trope of the dad not paying attention to the kid or, you know, not liking the direction the kid's life is going. So they're more standoffish. You know, the idea of masculinity when I was a kid was that your dad never was really kind of there. He was doing his dad's stuff. You were doing your kid's stuff. And very seldom, unless it was like a punishment, you know, uh, adherence, you very spent quality dad time. So... This is perfect for that. So it connects with an audience in an emotional way about gummies. The most absurd thing ever. And they turn it into an infomercial. It's brilliant. I don't know how I feel about it. I think it's weird. I'm not going to eat these damn gummies. But I tell you what, if anyone ever asked me what type of gummy worms they sh- that they should get, I'm going to tell them trolleys. Because it's the only gummy that I've ever thought about. Period. <laughs> Full stop. It's brilliant advertising. So weird. So weird. Okay. Hey, Josh. how you doing, man? Let's do one more, because why not? So fucking weird. This one, strap in, because it, it's it's a short one, but there's a lot there.
1: Trony, 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 trony. Ah!
0: watching that again. Hold on. So this is like chapter five of a bedtime story that this person is telling these kids. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Is
0: that not the greatest commercial you've ever seen in your life? It's brilliant. (laughs) It speaks to, like, I, I come from, like, the Garbage Pail generation, right? Garbage Pail Kid generation, which is, like, making fun of Cabbage Patch Kids. So it's, like, super dark humor, and you're just supposed to kind of be turned off, but also turned on by it because it's so strange that you kind of dig it. This is paying homage to that in the best possible ways. It is brilliant. I, I, every time I see one of these commercials... I strap in because I I just and it's you know, I don't I don't watch enough TV to like watch them all. Like these two I only saw today because I went to their YouTube channel. So check out their it's called Trolley Weirdly Awesome is the YouTube channel. It's badass. And it's some of the best advertising I've ever seen for candy in my entire life. It beats Will Arnett talking about Reese's peanut butter cups. Like, it beats his ass to the curb and just curbstawns some American History X style. Like, this is the greatest candy commercials you'll ever find. And it's because they're not trying to entice you by the deliciousness or the organic ingredients or the wholesomeness. They're just saying, you know what? We're going to be weird. And we're going to have fun. And you're going to like it. Because no one else is doing it. And you know what? Yeah. Yeah, I do because no one else is daring to do that. You bring that up in any uh, advertising agency and they should immediately start to filming. But rather than that, most of them are gonna say, no, you're not speaking to your demo. You're not talking to the kids. No kid is gonna look at that and love it. They just don't know. See, advertising isn't about what you like, it's about what your target likes. Sound familiar? Lesser Magic isn't about what you like, it's about what your target likes. Using that concept is incredibly powerful. Now, I don't know if kids are going to love that. You'd have to do some sort of study group in order to to lock into it. But I tell you what, I love it. I love it more than any candy commercial I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Because it's crazy. How did that get made? (laughs) I love it. Oh, gosh. I, I don't even think it has some. There's one that's I've seen on um on the TV <laughs> a lot where it's a kid hiding under the stairs and the little trolley gummies are like popping out of the bag. He's like hiding because he's terrified, and they're like, bite my head off, eat me, eat me. And so he's like looking down at them saying that, and then the door, like to under the stairs where he's hiding, starts opening. This crazy scary monster hand starts coming in, and he's like biting the heads off of these little gummy things, and they're screaming. It's, oh gosh, I can't tell you how happy it makes me to see that. Oh, so good. You were never sexually molested, but you were beat up for not letting them. What the fuck just happened in the chat room? (laughs) I don't, wow. I don't know what's going on. That was weird. All right. Great commercials. Check them out. I highly recommend them. That's kind of all I had to stitch together for a show today. I, I was. This has actually brought me back to life, to be honest. I was worn the fuck out. Not wanting to do anything. I was considering just going out on my back porch and then just you know, having a few drinks with you guys in a sort of daily thought vlog format, but decided instead to throw this together. I hope it's okay for an episode. We're only 47 minutes long, so it's going to be a bit of a shorter one. I hope you appreciate it, though. But again, this whole episode is about lesser magic and not being locked into one concept that you like. Lesser magic is not about you. And the sooner you understand that, the more successful you're going to be with it later on. So anyone that's telling you, hey, just find your one thing and stick to the one thing and anyone who doesn't uh, like that, well, you know, that's their problem. No, that's what your mom tells you when you get beat up in school. I think you're a handsome young lad. There's no reason why they shouldn't love you. You're perfect. No, that's bullshit. Your mother is lying to you. She is actively lying to you. Instead, change your perspective. Change your lifestyle. Change the way you're approaching situations that's letting you get your ass kicked. That's it. Stop repeating the same behavior that's causing you to either not succeed, not realize success, or failing abjectly. You have control. You got the toolkit right there, the satanic witch. You got a satanic bible. You don't need anything else. That's it. Lean into it. You'll do yourself good. All right. Thank you, guys. Um, Maybe add segment four funny shit to nine cents sometimes. I don't know, man. (laughs) I, the original version of nine cents, I just added on new segments all the time with other people and stuff, and it got to be unwieldy. So I think I'll, I'll keep it to a tight three segments. And if I can throw in some goofy fun stuff from time to time, I will. Other than that, I got a life. I got a lead here, people. (laughs) I can't be focusing all my attention on, on this show. So, uh, thank you for your time and attention. I genuinely appreciate it. If you want to learn more about Satanism, read the satanic Bible visit churchofsatan.com it'll do you a lot of good more than milk actually (laughs) I still I I still want to like meet the guy or girl I I assume it was a guy because most guys I know are stupid that saw a cow and was like I want to drink that right why did we start drinking cow milk I don't I still don't I can't wrap my head around it at what point in history did someone be like look at that udder Hmm Weird, right? Maybe it's just me. All right, have a fantastic evening. I will see you guys next week, hopefully with a normal show. Until then, Hail Satan.